Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the brand new North Carolina Sports Network and this new look version of the David Glenn Show. Whether you are watching our quickly growing YouTube channel, and we thank you for that, or you're listening to our podcast right now, thank you for being with us here in late August as we get closer and closer to football season, college and pro, and soon after that, the return of many of our other favorite sports. As you know, the great state of North Carolina offers something for everyone in the sports world and in so many other ways. As always, we appreciate you spending some time with us this week here on our YouTube channel, the new podcast, and hopefully on our new website, ncsportsnetwork.com as well. We will get into some other topics of the week here in the North Carolina sports world a bit later including my top 10 preseason football questions across North Carolina, which involve the Carolina Panthers in the NFL, but also UNC, NC State, Duke, Wake Forest, East Carolina, App State, and many others from the college football ranks. But today's show is highlighted, no doubt about it, by a one-on-one -on -one visit with one of the very best coaches in college football today, Dabo Sweeney of Clemson University who will join us shortly. His Tigers will visit our great state at least twice and perhaps three times this season. Clemson will take on Duke on Labor Day night at Wallace Wade Stadium in Durham in a game nationally televised on ESPN. We will be there with our old North State tailgate and traveling sports circus, so we hope to see you there if you're going. Much later this season on October 28th, the Tigers will visit NC State at Carter-Finley Stadium in Raleigh in one of the highlights of the Wolfpack's home schedule. Ultimately, of course, Clemson hopes to be back in Charlotte on December 2nd for the 2023 ACC Football Championship game, which the Tigers have won eight times during Coach Sweeney's 14 full seasons, including most impressively in seven of the last eight years. Even though he is only 53 years old, Dabo Sweeney already has put together a head coaching track record at Clemson that ranks alongside that of the late great Florida State legend Bobby Bowden as the greatest in the 70-year history of Atlantic Coast Conference football. A two-time national champion and eight-time ACC champion as Clemson's head coach, Sweeney started his college football career in his native state as a walk-on wide receiver at the University of Alabama where he became a scholarship player later and a part of the Crimson Tide's 1992 national championship team. After more than a decade as an assistant coach, first at his alma mater and later at Clemson, Sweeney became the Tigers' interim head coach during the 2008 season. In his 14 full years leading the Tigers, Sweeney also has led them to 13 top 25 finishes, eight top 10 finishes, and six college football playoff appearances, and he has an active streak of 12 straight seasons of 10 or more victories. As we settle in with Coach Sweeney, one quick reminder, our featured guests this summer and fall also will include legendary UNC coach Roy Williams, North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper, former Carolina Panthers stars Julius Peppers and Jake DeLome, Carolina Hurricanes owner Tom Dundon, and many other sports legends, sports figures, and sports fans connected to the great state of North Carolina in one way or another. We also encourage you to check out our new YouTube channel for our recent interviews 
with legendary Duke coach Mike Krzyzewski, Hurricanes coach Rod Brindamore, National Sportscaster of the Year Ian Eagle from CBS Sports and Turner Sports, the new voice of the Final Four, and someone you'll see uh, most weekends on NFL games. NC State legend Chris Corciani, Duke coach Mike Elko, Wake Forest coach Dave Clawson, NC State coach Dave Doran, UNC football captain Cedric Gray, Duke quarterback Riley Leonard, and our throwback or classic interviews as they're labeled with former President Barack Obama, best-selling author John Grisham, former ACC commissioners John Swafford and the late Gene Corrigan, U.S. women's national soccer team star Megan Rapinoe, UNC golf legend Davis Love III, Wake Forest golf legend Webb Simpson, and many, many others. Also, quick thank to our sponsors, without whom we would not be here with you today. The North Carolina Pork Council, the foundational partner of the new North Carolina Sports Network. Did you know that the pork industry contributes more than $10 billion per year to our state's economy and supports more than 44,000 jobs? XL Moving and Storage who are celebrating their 25th anniversary this year and as an allied van lines agent can help you with your moving and storage needs here in North Carolina and beyond. The Lawson Insurance Group, where the Lawson brothers and their staff are ready to help you all across North Carolina, just as they've already helped me, my family, and my company with your personal and or commercial insurance needs. Jimmy's Bar and King Neptune Restaurant, my personal home away from home in Wrightsville Beach. We will be in both places in person this Saturday, starting from 5 to 6 p.m. as part of our Old North State Tailgate and Traveling Sports Circus for our college football preview show. The Original Salt Works, a legendary breakfast and lunch place right there in Wilmington. I may see you there this Saturday and or Sunday as well. And our friends at Sport Clips, now with more than 70 locations across the great state of North Carolina. As we thank all of them, we also ask you to support us here at this new version of The David Glenn Show by patronizing those sponsors as often as possible. It is not even a slight exaggeration to say that without them, and in a different way, without you, we wouldn't have the honor of sharing time with you on these new platforms here at The DG Show and the North Carolina Sports Network. Okay, without further ado, on to our featured guest of the week. Everyone knows Dabo Sweeney as Clemson's football coach, and I gave everybody a long list of his accomplishments before Coach joined us, but not as many people know the parts of his personal journey beyond the football field that sound like a true miracle in the making in some cases. Coach, welcome to the new North Carolina Sports Network, and welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm good, David. Good, Always good to be with you, man. Thank you, sir. Hey, I don't know if you feel like a miracle, but when I tell stories about your mother, Carol, I mean, the first eight to 10 years of her life in the hospital, she survives polio, severe scoliosis. She's on an iron lung at one point, a body cast for a long time at another point. She's told she might not be able to have any children. And yet here you are, man, you're a Hall of Fame caliber coach at this point. And the last I saw, she was going strong in her 70s. Uh, what is the best way to summarize your mom's role in your life? Oh man, she's uh, she's the epitome of uh, toughness and 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 you know just a survivor. I mean, she is a survivor. 
she's always had a a uh, a zeal to her. You know, everybody who knows my mom, she she's got a light when she comes around. She is like this big. She is a tiny, tiny, tiny lady, but man, she's got a massive heart and she's a fighter. Uh, she's an absolute fighter. And, you know, yeah, she, she was born, you know, on a farm down in uh, 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 actually a county south of where I grew up. <clears throat> but, um, you know, her mom you know, left home, I think, at 13 and was maybe married at 14. And my mom's my mom's dad, she never knew him till she was about 40. Uh, never knew him because he left when I think she was one or two. And, and uh, so she grew up, you know, without a dad. Um, and uh, but she she had a lot of uh, issues. And so uh, she literally spent, I mean, the mo most of the first 10 years of her life in the crippled children's hospital in Birmingham. And, um, and and she is a miracle. In fact, there's a I have a newspaper and, and she it's it, the Birmingham News. I think it was the Birmingham Post Herald, to be exact. Um, and it was the front page of her when she was 18 years of old, 18 years of age. And it was her in a majorette outfit and, and basically, you know, talking about her story and because she was a miracle. And uh, she grew up in Birmingham. She went to Woodlawn High School where Bobby Bowden graduated from. And um, but, yeah, she was told a lot of things and she she didn't have a uh, uh, opportunity to really grow up a normal childhood. You know, she had she had siblings and all that. But, you know, they are all at home. And her mom, my grandmother, you know, worked in a in a kind of a shift plant type of uh, job and also worked in a bakery. And, and she, uh, she would come up on Fridays on the train to Birmingham and she'd go back on Sundays. And, you know, the, my mom's family were all those people in the hospital. Um, and uh, so she, she had severe scoliosis and, and, uh, and then, you know, the polio was, it was just, she had, she has a, they had to rebuild her spine with cadaver vertebrae. Um, wow. and, uh, so she went through a lot, but she never lost her hope. And I don't think people expected much of her. Um, and she married my dad at 18 and, uh, you know, she, she's, uh, and she had, there were some, you know, challenges that she went through, but she had three sons and, uh, she's just always been a fighter. She's always, uh, had a love of life. She's always believed, uh, that she could keep going. And she just somehow found a way to overcome all of her limitations. And even to this day, so she's about to be 79 and, and she certainly has slowed down some and the way her body is structured, you know, she's, she, her lungs are so compressed. And, and so it's, it's hard for her to breathe, <clears throat> but, but she keeps going and uh, just really proud of her. And, you know, definitely, uh, you know, a role model for me and, and some, and she was a huge part of my, you know, I think I, I always say the fire has to come from within every individual. I think you have to have that inner drive, that inner fire. But my mom was certainly fuel for my fire and, uh, and, and, and still is to this day. You and I are both in our 50s now. But I have to tell you, Coach, I felt like a little kid in a candy store when I saw you at the ACC kickoff in Charlotte. Because it just so happens you took your family to Italy. I took my family to Italy. And one of the great stories you told me, and you wanted to show me the photo on your phone and everything. It was so cool. You visit the Vatican right there in Rome. And for the first time in your entire life, 
you actually saw the word Dabo, D-A-B-O, your yeah. nickname, uh, in a context that did not involve Dabo Sweeney. And no. <laughs> so it looked like those letters were carved into marble. What happened there? Yeah, it's crazy how it all all goes about. I mean, so when I when I when I got the job, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm stepping away here. This is <laughs> so when I got the job at Clemson in December December one of '08. Uh, so about three weeks later, this was this was December nineteenth of '08. See, I got a just a note card here. I went to speak at the Shrine Bowl uh, luncheon. And, and uh, back in those days, all the coaches, all the head coaches from there would go and we'd all get up and speak for five minutes. And, you know, it's like, you know, you had to be there if you weren't there. You know, oh, everybody's talking bad about you in recruits. <laughs> so it's my first thing as a head coach. It's my very first like official deal. And so I go and I walk in and all the coaches were there. And at that time, Bill Curry was the head coach at Georgia State, was just kind of getting that program going and. Well, Bill Curry was my coach for a year at Alabama and then went to Kentucky and Gene Stallings came in and, and rest is history. So I was really only around Coach Curry about a year. And, heck, I don't even know if he even remembers me, you know. <laughs> I've been around him times, but but I walk in and I'm like, holy cow. And I look up and they got me sitting next to Bill Curry. And I'm going, <laughs> I'm sitting next to – this is – I'm just like, what world am I living in? And so I sit down next to Coach Curry and Coach Curry, he looks at me and he says, you know, how you doing? Hey, proud of you, this and that. And he leans over and he says, hey, Dabo, I'm going to tell you three things. He said, you didn't really call me for any advice, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. He said, I'm going to tell you three things and I'm going to shut up and we're going to enjoy this banquet. And I'm like, you know, there's a guy that's been the head coach of Kentucky, Georgia Tech, Alabama. He's a he's guy's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a, you know Super Bowl champ. And well, I'm like, so I'm pulling my little speech out of my coat pocket. I got these little note cards, and and I'm like, well, I need to write this down. I had a, a, a blank <laughs> one, and so I wrote it down right here. It says Bill Curry, 12-1908. and he told me three things. He said, number one, be Dabo. That's what got you here, and. Uh, and that's that's what that's what you need to continue to be. He said so many people get these jobs and then they try to be somebody they're not. The second thing he said is no job is worth your family. And he told me about his regrets and things. And then the third thing he said is you need a money manager because you've never made any money. And 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 this is a very volatile business. He said, so make sure you have a good plan financially. You know, so I wrote those down and then I have this person come up to me. And I don't know who this is. So same little note card. And I have this person, I think it was a lady. And she says, coach, do you know what your name means in Latin? In Latin. And I said, and my exact response to her was, my name is a word. Uh, <laughs> you know, even though my name was like a word. And she said, yeah. And so I, and she said, your name means I will give. And I'm like, really? And so I wrote it down. Latin Dabo equal I will give. Cool. And so I've had this beside my phone for 15 years now uh, as just a reminder of three basic things. But but, you know, that that I just forgot about. <clears throat> I looked it up. I'm like, well, son of a gun. I remember telling my wife, <laughs> I remember telling my wife, hey, it's like, you know, my name is a word. My name is like a real word. <clears throat> Fast forward. I have a guy that goes. He actually went to the Vatican before me and and uh, and, and made me aware of this. And then I go to the Vatican 
uh, as well. But let me, I find out that my name is in the Vatican and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And it's, you know, just a part, you know, they have all these sentences written out in the Vatican that have been there for forever. And sure enough, there's Dabo right there. So it was one of the greatest days of my life because, you know, I was able to, you know, you grow up with a name like Dabo, you, you get a lot of uh, harassment and uh, ridicule <laughs> as a kid, you know, like Dabo, what the heck's wrong? You know, and my name was that boy, Dabo, Dabo, right. Dabo. And so uh, I found out my name is an actual word, but then I find out my name is in the Vatican. And I'm like, man, that was a great day for me. I call in a bunch of my, butt. hey man, I don't see Mike in the Vatican. You know, I don't see, I don't see uh, 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 Joe in the Vatican. I don't see, you know, Steve in the Vatican. I mean, yeah. Abo is in the Vatican. So it was a, it was kind of a cool moment for me uh, to, to learn that. We are speaking with William Christopher Sweeney, better known as Dabo uh, from a very, very young age. Everybody knows that famous story by now. When folks get a chance, check out Dabo's all in team foundation, which he helped create 14 years ago. It's now raised about $10 million for various communities and programs in South Carolina. And I just wanted to mention that, Coach. You didn't ask me to. Uh, but when your name means I will give in Latin and you have this foundation that is truly giving, it's just it's crazy to me. Anyway, uh, you once described those trips to Italy and elsewhere in Europe as life changing because you did grow up, at least at times, in some pretty extreme poverty. Um, it didn't sound like you traveled beyond the United States as a young man, or maybe not even until your 40s or so. How has seeing the world impacted you and your perspective in these more recent years, uh, now that, of course, you know, you get paid a lot of money to coach this great game? Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible when I think back to just my childhood and, you know, what I knew and what I was exposed to and, and uh, no, we 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 uh, I went to, you know, Alabama, Georgia, uh, Tennessee, Mississippi. I went to Louisiana one time. Um, that's about the extent of my travels. You know, we would go yeah. we, we would once a year go down to Panama City Beach. That was our you know, that was our big vacation. And we stayed at a little hotel called the Palmetto Inn. We did it every year, uh, you know, growing up, always after all stars in baseball and be late right before school and. You know, that was it. You know, I just played ball and, um, you know, never really went anywhere other than just wherever my sports would take me within Alabama um, and just neighboring states. You know, so never, never kind of got outside of that footprint. And now, you know, I'm 53 and I think there's only about 12 states that I haven't been to, maybe 11. Uh, I've been I've, I'd never really been out of the country other than like the Bahamas. Um and until until uh, I went over to Italy and to Rome, and, and that was a life changing. And now I've, I went to Africa this year, um, and so it's to to come from where I came from, and to think back to you know uh, how I grew up, and you know just you know the challenges along the way, and 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 to now you know be exposed to so much. I mean, it has been. Uh, it's been incredible. And, and going to Italy, for example, I mean, that was, uh, that was, it was our 25th wedding anniversary. And, and it's, you know, you just grow up and you just hear things, you read things and, you know, you, you have these, I guess, 
perspectives in your mind. And, but to go over there and to see um, the infrastructure that's been there for 2000, you know, plus years is overwhelming. I mean, it really is. And, you know, they've got, I mean, there's chairs uh, in Italy that are older than America, you right. know, because uh, when you grow up here, this is really the only perspective. So, so culturally and, and, you know, architectural and engineer, all these things and the, 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 just how smart people were, you know, and able to do things that even if we did them today would be an, a major accomplishment, like to see the Coliseum, you know, I mean, it, it's just, it, it's really fascinating to me. And, um, you know, so uh, I love history, <clears throat> you know, I love, I love learning about, uh, you know, people and ways of life and things like that. And uh, that was, that was a definite uh, eye opening as was going to Africa this year and going uh, you know, spending four and a half days just, you know, in a, in a, in, in a, in a game park and, you know, with the animals in there, you know, just this, this uninterrupted world, if you will. Uh, it's pretty fascinating uh, for sure. And so just very thankful, very blessed that, that life has provided me those opportunities along my journey. Uh, and, uh, Hopefully I'll get to those other 11 or 12 states uh, one of these days. I, there's about four of them I think I could knock out into it in a day. I haven't been to Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, Rhode Island, and uh, I, I think that's it up there. I think I could probably drive all those in maybe that's a day. A quick one. That's but a quick I, one. I haven't been to any of those, and i got to go to the Dakotas. I haven't been to Iowa. I haven't been to Nebraska. Uh, kind of those <laughs> – uh, Montana, Wyoming. I have not been, I haven't been out that way. So Alaska, I got to do Alaska. Let me hit you with some rapid fire questions. Cause I'm not sure how many more minutes I have with you. Um, is there a Michael Jordan update? I have shared the story about how, you know, he's playing for the Birmingham Barons in 1994 at the same <laughs> time you're about to get married and you guys somehow cross paths and you had the guts to walk up to him. Yeah, you weren't yeah. famous yet. This is, this is young Davo, right? Uh, have you guys encountered each other since then? Because I remember you saying that among your childhood kind of sports heroes were Michael Jordan, Julius Irving, et cetera. Oh, man. Uh, you, boy, I tell you, you, I told you that story. Man, you, you, I don't know how you come up with something. I, I think things. we've talked for like 15 years, Coach. Yeah, man. I Listen, so, yeah, I was a GA at, at Alabama. It was my second year as a GA, 1994, and I'm about to get married. And so, you know, it had all my groomsmen and everything. They're gonna, you know, take me out for for our bachelor party. And uh, so we're <laughs> just hanging out in in, I mean, in Birmingham, you know. And uh, so, but that was when Michael Jordan was playing for the Barons, the Birmingham Barons, playing baseball. And yeah, Michael Jordan's still a hero of mine. I mean, he was bigger than life to me, as was Dr. J. And I, I just I loved Julius Irving. I love basketball and I love Julius Irving growing up. And I have met Dr. J. And that awesome. was really one of the coolest moments. I've got two or three pictures with him. One of the coolest moments of my life. I met him out in California. And that was that was so cool. Absolutely so cool. The and the cooler thing is he actually knew I was the coach at Clemson. That nice. was even more cool. Uh, but, <laughs> but one of my heroes and you know, but there were people like some of the kids that they didn't know who he was. I had my players, some of my players with me. And I'm like, you know, they're looking at this person. I'm like, 
I'm going to meet Dr. J. And they, they're like, Dr. J. And I mean, it's just crazy. Uh, so, but, uh, but yeah, so we just went to this one little place and we pull up and sure enough, there was Michael Jordan's car parked right at the front. They had it kind of marked off and, and I'm like, Michael Jordan's here. And uh, so we walk in and sure enough, you know, he's back in the kind of the back of the little dance club we were at or whatever. And he's bigger than life. And, and I'm just like, and this was, you know, there are no cell phones, you know, none of that's 1994. We just had like, you know, the cameras like, you know, that you have to, you have to go and like take to the, to <laughs> Eckerd's or Big B or, or whatever the, whatever the. Uh, like a Polaroid. Yeah. And you had to go, had to go get it developed. You had yeah. to go get film developed and you hope that you took a good picture, right? <laughs> you never really knew. And so I had my buddy at the time. I said, hey, man, look, I'm going to go. Back. I'm going to meet Michael Jordan. I'm going to meet him. And listen, you just find a way to get a picture. I'm not going to ask him for a picture. You just get a picture somehow. And so uh, so I did. I went back there and he was super nice. And I just told him, who I said, hey, I played at Alabama and I'm a young coach there now. And, and I'm on my, my bachelor party. And listen, just always a huge fan. And he just wanted to say, hey, and he was he was super nice. It was a, you know, brief encounter. And and but and then I turned to walk away and my buddy, he gets the picture and it's the money. And I'm, I'm like wait two days to get the film developed, you know, but, but I still have the picture to this day uh, of, of me and, and, and Michael Jordan. And that was like one of the coolest moments and never once have I been able to meet him since. Uh, so one of these days, it's on my bucket list. I did get to play his golf course um, uh, this year. Uh, the coaches for Christmas gave me a, that was what they gave me as a gift was a round of golf at the, at the Grove 23 down there and in, in outside, nice. outside of outside of Jupiter. And so I went down and, and played that and I was hoping he, he would be there, but he wasn't there that day. But one of these days I'll meet him again in person and, and be able to just, you know, catch up again. But I, I'm, I'm a huge Michael Jordan, uh, you know, fan, one of the greatest competitors of all time. We're looking forward to seeing you and the Tigers right here in my backyard, Durham, when you take on the Blue Devils on Labor Day night on national TV. One quick football question, and then you tell me when you have to go. Your new offensive coordinator, Garrett Riley, is everybody knows the younger brother of Southern Cal's head coach, Lincoln Riley. We also had Garrett here in North Carolina for a while. He was an assistant at ECU, an assistant at App State. This guy's only 33 years old, coach, but he's had this like meteoric rise as an offensive coordinator at SMU. And then last year, of course, part of that TCU team that played in the national championship game. Uh, what makes Garrett Riley so special at such a young age? Well, it's just his background. I mean, he's, <clears throat> he's been exposed to a lot, um, you know, coming up in that, that, you know, system and family, if you will, um, uh, with, with coach Leach all the way back to coach Leach um, you know, he's, he's been around some great coaches, but he's, he's got the Texas tech background and, you know, but his first job, he went and uh, was coaching running backs in like a wishbone offense at some D three school in Chicago or something, um, somewhere. And, um, so he's just, he's just, he's just, a uh, a guy that that's passionate about it. Uh, he's worked really hard. Uh, and he's, and he's been exposed to, this system for a long time. But what has happened with Garrett and Lincoln is they kind of took the passing game of this air raid and some of the principles that have come with that, but they really have, you know, figured out along the way that, Hey, you got, you got to run the ball. 
You know, I mean, if you if you really I mean, I would have never hired just a true air raid person, you know, because in my background, I mean, you know, I've, we've got to run the football. I've always believed that. And you got to stop the run. Um, and uh, so, you know, what what Lincoln and and Garrett is they figured out because if you really watch them, they can run the ball and there's a lot of play action. There's a lot of, you know, this zone, it's gap schemes and and there's a lot of explosives that come through uh, the, them being able to run the ball built around the the basic principles of the air raid passing game. So, you know, we've kind of coined it the the dirt raid, if you will. And uh, and so that was the biggest thing for me. I mean, because if you you know, there's a lot of air raid, true air raid guys around there out in the world that they don't run the ball. I mean, they can be drop eight and they're not they're not running the ball. And uh, and eventually that will catch up with you if you want to win at the highest level. And so um, that was important to me, but just, just what he's been exposed to, certainly the influence of his brother, Lincoln, uh, who, who's grown, what he's been exposed to from all the coaches that he's been around. Uh, and he's been at some good spots, man. I mean, he, he as you mentioned, he was at East Carolina uh, with Lincoln uh, for a little bit. And then uh, he's been uh, App State, he's been to Kansas. Uh, he's had an opportunity to, and then he gets exposed to Sonny Dykes and, Kind of gets back to his roots there, and, and did a great job in, in uh, uh, getting. He got a young, an opportunity at a young age to to be the coordinator at SMU, and really did a good job. And then boom, he came right in. But he's got a he, he's a he's thirty three, but he's a you know wise beyond his years. He's got a lot of confidence, and uh, that was the biggest thing that I felt like we needed was just kind of a reinfusion of some confidence. Uh, it's it's you know ball is ball, but but just just that belief and, and that confidence kind of being reinstilled and, and maybe just uh, simplify a few things. There's a few uh, procedural differences, maybe a few little systematic changes here or there with the passing game, but it's been really good. The guys have loved it. And uh, man, he's, he's got a bright, bright future. There's, there's no doubt about it. He'll be here, you know, hopefully a couple of years, but, but uh, he'll be a, he'll be a head coach soon for sure. You were talking about a lack of technology in 1994. Coach, we live in a world in 2023 where your assistant, your guy, Ross Taylor, has already emailed me the photo of you and Dr. J. Like, while, while we're talking, it just blows my mind. Yeah. Let me get you out here on this. And if you have a biographer someday who writes the Dabo book, please have him or her call me because I got 15 years of – I truly – I hope you appreciate – how much I appreciate you talking with a guy who's not even based in South Carolina as frequently as you have over the years. Uh, but let me leave you with this. I'm pretty sure I know you well enough to know that the next thing is always the most important thing, right? Like getting better in practice today. You talk about winning the opener, winning the closer, winning the state, you know, and those shorter term goals. I did see you recently kind of say to your players, Hey, everybody who has signed with Clemson since 2013 and stayed at Clemson has left with either one or two national championships. And yep. some of these guys, I think you use the phrase are on the clock. How, I guess you just sprinkle in the occasional big picture goal while never letting them lose the sort of short-term goal. Is that how your world works? Yeah, that's a clip that I think got put out. You know, I don't use, you don't usually see much no. talking to my team. I don't, uh, I don't. But, but you know, it, it, we, that is a, that's just a fact. And, uh, this, we've got the class of 19, we've got several guys that are still here from that class and this is their last shot. 
to to kind of keep that streak going. And, and that's, honestly, that's why a lot of these guys came back. We, we had seven seniors come back, fifth and sixth year seniors. We still got two guys from the 18 national championship team and Maskell and Xavier Thomas. So we, we had about seven guys come back. And, and a big reason why is, you know, they, they, they're already graduates. Three of them have master's degrees. They want to, they want to win a national championship, but it still all comes back to those goals that we talk about, you know, win the opener, you know, let's, let's go win 10 plus games, uh, make playoff. Let's, let's, let's win the, 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 the league. Let's win the state championship. Let's win the closer. It still comes back to those things. Our goals are set up to, if we accomplish our goals, we'll be the national champion. And it doesn't say win the national championship because I don't think right. that needs to be the focus. I think the focus needs to be, let's beat Duke. Let's win the opener. All right, let's win the day. And it also all of that comes back to today. You know, let's be great right now, right today. Like let's stay locked in right where we are because it's a long journey. And you can get overwhelmed when you are so outcome big picture, you know, focused. We got to just focus right here, right now, today, and let's have a good practice today. Let's have good meetings. You know, this moment that we're in, because because they all count on that day, you know, and uh so. Uh, it's just that's just the mindset. But, yeah, it was a conversation uh, that some a, a snippet got put out. And, and uh, you know, but that's just the fact, you know, every every class since 13 has won a national championship. And if that's something that's important to you guys as a player, well, OK, how do we do that? Do we just go win a national championship? No, here it's this right here. And get, how do we do that? Well, then let's have a great practice today. You know, let's understand that today. All right. It's important. You know, we only if in our world, as we say here, our world in football, if everything goes perfect, we get 15 days to play the game. And we've done that. We've been 15 and 0. We were the first 15 and 0 team. All right. But 15 days to actually play. So we can't sit around and focus on those 15 days, just like we can't sit around and focus on the national championship. What matters is those other 350 days. So 350 days of the year. We're actually working, preparing, you know, thinking, dreaming, you know, sacrificing. We're, we're toward those 15 days. And so as what we say is if we're going to win the 15, we got to win the 350. And if you're going to win the 350, it's got to be a lifestyle of now. It's got to be win the day. Okay. And so that's what it comes down to. Uh, it's really not complicated, but it takes a lot of discipline to live your life that way because as people we get we get uh uh you know th there's no hope for a better yesterday you know but we carry these burdens from yesterday into today or you know we're we're overwhelmed by stuff or fear of the future things that may never even happen we don't even know if we're going to be alive next week you know and so now we don't have joy in the moment that we're in today and uh so that's just a mentality that i think you have to have when you're chasing something as big as a national championship. And so, you know, let's don't chase that. Let's just win today. Let's win the opener. All right. And then let's go to the next goal. And then you just, you know, you, you, you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? You know, that's it. Yeah. One bite at a time, man. You know, that's the only way to do it. And that's, that's what we try to get these guys to buy into.
I know our time is done, so I'll just leave you with a crazy fact. If your son, Clay, a redshirt freshman this season, if he does play these next four years for you at Clemson, that means you and your wife, Kathleen, would have had 10 straight years of one or more of your boys yeah. playing for you in a Tigers uniform. That's yeah. just crazy to me. But anyway, I know you got to go. Uh, many, many thanks, Coach, for joining me, as always, on the David Glenn Show. Well, David, I appreciate it, and I mean it, man. You're, you're always uh, you're always the most prepared guy. You you have you 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 do an amazing job. I don't know where you get all your information, but you're very <laughs> thorough, and you do an amazing job of uh, just asking questions. And uh, you're incredibly informed. So always uh, always a pleasure to be with you, man. Appreciate you keeping that door open. That's Dabo Sweeney. He is an eight-time ACC champion as a head coach a two-time national champion, and really just one of the most fascinating guys that I've been able to interview in my 30-whatever years as a member of the sports media. I really appreciate him uh, opening his door to us over these last 15 years or so. Okay, on the other side, my top 10 preseason football questions across the great state of North Carolina for this almost here 2023 season. This includes both the Carolina Panthers of the NFL but also every FBS-level college program in North Carolina and a bunch of others, too. Stay with us. We'll be right back. As we thank Dabo Sweeney for his time here on the David Glenn Show and jump back into all sorts of other fun football stuff, college and pro, one quick reminder, in sports, we talk a lot about impact players who make a positive difference. When it comes to our state's economy, the North Carolina pork industry is a true MVP. Each year, the pork industry plays an important role in supporting rural communities across our state. It contributes more than $10 billion a year to the North Carolina economy and supports more than 44,000 jobs. Learn more about their positive impact at ncpork.org. The North Carolina Pork Council, the foundational partner of the North Carolina Sports Network. With that, we move on to what I call my top 10 preseason football questions across North Carolina, which involve the Carolina Panthers and the NFL, but also UNC, NC State, Duke, Wake Forest, East Carolina, App State, and various others from the college football ranks here in our backyard. Jumping right in. The 2023 State of North Carolina football question number one. After five straight losing seasons, are the Carolina Panthers ready to be relevant again in the National Football League? Carolina Hurricanes owner Tom Dundon has had nothing but success during his five years as the owner of our state's National Hockey League franchise. Longtime Charlotte Hornets owner Michael Jordan recently sold his majority stake in the Charlotte Hornets our state's National Basketball Association franchise, after a mostly miserable decade-plus on his watch. Will Tepper end up being more like Jordan or more like Dundon as the Panthers owner? We shall see. David Tepper, one of the wealthiest owners in all of American sports, has not yet been able to follow his professional success as an investment and money genius with any success as an NFL owner, and that is likely driving him crazy given his competitive nature. With a new head coach in Frank Reich, who helped my Philadelphia Eagles to a Super Bowl title after the 2017 season as the offensive coordinator in Philly, 
and then led the Indianapolis Colts to two playoff trips in his five seasons as the head coach there. And remember a new starting quarterback, of course, in Bryce Young, the number one over, overall NFL draft pick and a national champion and in a different year, the Heisman Trophy winner at Alabama. The Panthers have at least a chance to turn things around for Tepper this season. To this point, however, the Panthers have looked very shaky in the preseason. That's being nice. And the wise guys in Las Vegas have set the team's over-under win total at 7.5, which probably would not be the expectation level if Vegas saw the Panthers as a likely playoff team here in 2023. Our state of North Carolina football question number two. Can UNC quarterback Drake May or any other player become the first Heisman Trophy winner in our state's history? Believe it or not, the closest our state's college football programs have ever come to a Heisman happened before the overwhelming majority of us were even born. 1948 and 1949, that's just a few years after World War II ended, when UNC's all-purpose back, Charlie Choo Choo Justice, was the Heisman Trophy runner-up in the voting in back-to-back years. The next highest finishers from our state for an award that has been around since 1935 were sixth or seventh in the voting. Duke running back Ace Parker was sixth in 1936, and NC State running back Ted Brown was sixth in 1978. More recently, East Carolina quarterback Jeff Blake was seventh in 1991 during the Pirates' best season in that program's history, and NC State quarterback Phillip Rivers was seventh in 2003. Both of those guys, of course, went on to become longtime starting quarterbacks in the NFL as well. UNC's legendary defensive end Julius Peppers and NC State's legendary wide receiver Torrey Holt also finished in the top 10 of the Heisman voting. They both went on to amazing professional careers, too, of course. Holt belongs in the Pro Football Hall of Fame someday, although that hasn't happened yet. And Peppers probably will get in very soon. According to the voting rules, Peppers will be Hall of Fame eligible for the first time in 2024, meaning that group that will be inducted next August or a little bit less than one year from now. Carolina quarterback Drake May, the obvious inspiration for today's question number two actually finished 10th in the Heisman voting just last year and likely would have been much higher had the Tar Heels not gone from a late season record of nine and one to an end of season record of nine and five, thanks to their four consecutive losses to close the season. Nevertheless, May became UNC's first ACC player of the year in football since a guy named Lawrence Taylor in 1980. Last season, remember, Drake May became just the sixth quarterback since 2010 to post 4,000 passing yards or more, 35 passing TDs or more, 650 rushing yards or more, and seven rushing touchdowns or more in a single season. The other guys on that list, how about Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Marcus Mariota, Johnny Manziel, and Robert Griffin III. That is a heck of a list to be a part of at the college level, especially for someone who, in May's case, has not yet turned 21 years old. As May himself has said in recent weeks, only if Carolina has a truly special win-loss record this season will May's personal statistics and accomplishments get the maximum amount of attention, coverage, and recognition. The way the Heisman Trophy voting usually works 
You need both one, sensational personal statistics, of course, but also two, a highly ranked team around you to be seriously considered for college football's highest and most famous individual honor. State of North Carolina football question number three. Will a North Carolina-based program shock the world the way App State did last September? Y'all may remember the lyrics to a famous Beatles song, Imagine. In my opinion, one of the great songs of all time. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. Do not ask me to sing that or you would never watch or listen again. The hard part about being a dreamer, of course, is that when it comes to dreaming really big, the skeptics and the cynics and the naysayers are usually proven right. The most extreme underdog stories rarely come true. But man, the exceptions are worth that risk, aren't they? Whether the so-called miracles happen in a single game or over the course of an entire season or both. Think of the unforgettable examples we have of this just here in North Carolina. 1983, NC State basketball. Jimmy V's underdog cardiac, cardiac pack beats Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon and the 31-2 Houston Cougars in a buzzer beater in the NCAA title game. That remains, to this day, one of the lowest-seeded teams ever to win the NCAA title. And, of course, the Cardiac Pack will live forever because of that fact. 1991, another college basketball example. Duke, Coach K, Bobby Hurley, Grant Hill, Christian Leitner. Those guys beat UNLV in the Final Four after Jerry Tarkanian's running Rebels entered that semifinal matchup with a perfect 34-0 record. Some people believed... Not many did. The 2006 Carolina Hurricanes. You got team captain Rod Brindamore, friend of the program, now the Canes coach, of course. Rookie goalie back then, Cam Ward. They lead the Canes to the Stanley Cup title after the franchise had been that non-traditional hockey market afterthought for the majority of, at that point, their decade-long existence here in North Carolina. Same calendar year, Wake Forest's football team won the ACC title under Coach Jim Grobe. Those Demon Deacons are actually still the only North Carolina-based team to win the ACC football title since 1989. There are many more Shock the World examples, as you all know, in various North Carolina sports, but you get the picture. Back to App State. Last season in college football, the Mountaineers, who obviously inspired today's question number three, went to number six-ranked Texas A&M as an unranked 18-point underdog in September a year ago and stunned the Aggies 17-14 to in front of an enormous crowd of almost 93,000 right there on AM's Kyle Field. Rarely in our state's history have any of our college football teams posted a true road victory over a more highly ranked opponent. I understand and accept that the teams and games I'm about to mention are long shots, sometimes extreme long shots. But almost every, everyone said that same thing about App's trip to College Station last year as well. So here we go. Saturday, September 2nd, opening weekend. Don't laugh at me. East Carolina visits number two Michigan at the big house. ESPN's analytics gives the Pirates a 4.6 chance to win that game. That number is actually even higher than I would have guessed. The Pirates lost a lot of talent from last year's bowl team, but they have a great coach in Mike Houston. 
The Wolverines, of course, will be without veteran coach Jim Harbaugh in that matchup. He's sitting out that game as part of a three-game suspension for violating NCAA recruiting rules and then lying about it. Last I saw the betting lines, the Pirates were a 35-point underdog to the Wolverines. So gamblers, please proceed with caution on that one. Monday, September 4th, Labor Day night. We'll be at this game personally with our old North State tailgate and traveling sports circus. More on that later. Duke hosts Clemson that night in an evening game nationally televised on ESPN. Blue Devils, remember, won nine games last season under new coach Mike Elko, and they return a brilliant young quarterback in Riley Leonard, a lot of other talent, especially on offense. The Tigers, who have won seven of the last eight ACC titles, and along with Florida State, are the conference favorites again this season. They have a new quarterback starter in Cade Klubnik, star of the ACC title game last year, but he only has one career start under his belt. Last I saw the betting lines, Duke was only a 13-point underdog to Clemson. As Jim Carrey slash Lloyd Christmas famously said in the Dumb and Dumber movie, so you're telling me there's a chance. Saturday, September 9th, App State, the program responsible for last year's stunner at Texas A&M, and of course the program responsible for one of the truly greatest road upsets in the history of college football thanks to the Mountaineers' unforgettable 34-32 victory back then as an FCS team at Michigan in 2007. The Mountaineers this time visit preseason number one, number 21, excuse me, UNC. This same matchup, which took place in Boone last year, was a high-scoring thriller, remember, with the Heels surviving 63-61 after App put up an almost unbelievable 40 points just in the fourth quarter of that game. This time, App gets its shot at Carolina at Keenan Stadium in Chapel Hill. Saturday night, September 23rd, the Charlotte 49ers under first-year head coach Biff Pogey. They visit Florida at the Swamp. Wouldn't that one be one to remember forever? Pogey is a 63-year-old first-time college head coach after serving on Jim Harbaugh's staff at Michigan in recent years. Prior to his time as a college assistant, he was a legendary high school coach in Maryland for about 25 years. The Gators, by the way, often near the top of the SEC in my time covering college football, they're picked to finish fifth in their own division, the East in the SEC this year. Now, some of these games I'm about to mention are later in the season. They're harder to get a read on because we're going to know so much more about these teams a month from now, but they're worth watching anyway. September 30th, Duke hosts preseason number 13 Notre Dame at Wallace Wade Stadium in Durham. October 28th, way down the road, NC State hosts preseason number nine Clemson at Carter-Finley Stadium in Raleigh. October 28th, same day, Wake hosts preseason number eight Florida State in Winston-Salem, again, on North Carolina soil. The underdog at home always has a much better fighting chance, at least historically. And then in mid-November, the 18th, UNC visits preseason number nine Clemson at Death Valley. The Tigers have won eight of the last 10 in this rivalry. Most recent UNC win was back in 2010. That was in Chapel Hill. The most recent Carolina win over the Tigers at Death Valley was way back in 2001. Friend of the program, John Bunting, then in his first year as the head coach of the Tar Heels, and that's where he played his alma mater, 
Julius Peppers and the Tar Heel defense led the way in a dominating 38-3 win in Death Valley over the then 13th-ranked Tigers, who at that point had a late-season Heisman candidate and that thrilling quarterback, Woody Dantzler. Moving on, State of North Carolina, football question number four. Will an in-state team make the ACC championship game in Charlotte for the third year in a row? You might ask, why is this even a question, DG? Well, the ACC's championship game format has only been around for 18 years. And a North Carolina-based team has won it only one time. That was Wake Forest in 2006. Shout out to Jim Grobe, friend of the program. Making matters worse, though, the four North Carolina-based teams in the ACC haven't even played in the game very often. Wake Forest has twice. UNC has twice. Duke has once. And NC State never has. However, Wake was there in 2021, losing to Pittsburgh. Carolina was there in 2022, losing to Clemson. Could the Charlotte-based title game have an in-state participant for the third year in a row, which has never happened? We shall see. Any sport is more fun when our state matters. That's the bottom line here. It almost always matters in basketball and a lot of other sports. It doesn't always matter as much in college football, and it doesn't always matter as much in ACC football. One reminder, there's no divisional format in the ACC this year for the first time since the creation of the ACC title game back in 2005. So it's no longer Atlantic Division champion against the Coastal Division champion. Most people are betting right now on a Clemson versus Florida State matchup in Charlotte this year, which would leave our state's teams out yet again. But I don't think it's crazy to suggest that Carolina or NC State or someone else could at least have a chance to crash that party. State of North Carolina football question number five. Can UNC ride an NFL-caliber quarterback to a truly special season for the first time in school history? I am writing about this exact topic among many others if you'll check them out at ncsportsnetwork.com, our website this week. So please do visit that for a more detailed version of this discussion here. But here's the bottom line. When Duke had the best NFL quarterback it has ever produced on its campus, a guy named Sonny Jurgensen way back in the 1950s. The Blue Devils cashed in. They won an ACC championship. They posted back-to-back top 25 seasons under a legendary coach, Bill Murray, with a legendary quarterback, Sonny Jurgensen. When East Carolina had the best NFL quarterback it has ever produced on its campus, Jeff Blake, the Pirates took advantage of that. And they posted the very best season in school history. They finished 11-1, and including a thrilling 37-34 victory over NC State in the Peach Bowl under Coach Bill Lewis with a guy named Steve Logan as their offensive coordinator. The Pirates' number nine final ranking in the polls that year was then and remains to this day the highest ranking in program history. You're sensing a theme here? When NC State had the best NFL quarterback it has ever produced on its campus, Phillip Rivers, the Wolfpack, capitalized with one of the best seasons in school history. The Pack was 11-3 in 2002 under Coach Chuck Amato. They had a number 11 final national ranking. That season, to this day, remains the Pack's only season ever with 10 or more victories, and it is still the Pack's second-highest poll finish ever. Those are special things. Do you see the theme here? 
when you have an elite NFL quarterback prospect, you got to do special things while he's on campus. Otherwise, it is just a yawning missed opportunity. UNC, in an entire century of major college football, has never capitalized with a truly special season with a future NFL quarterback on campus. Butch Davis had T.J. Yates, not an NFL star, obviously, but he did become a part-time starter in the NFL. But those Carolina teams topped out at 8-5 and five in T.J. Yates' four years as a starter for the Tar Heels. Larry Fedora had Mitch Trubisky. Guy went on to become the number three overall NFL pick and was a full-time starter uh, for the Bears for many years in the NFL. But that 2016 Carolina team with Trubisky as the full-time starter also finished 8-5. and five. Not bad, but certainly not great or unforgettable. Mac Brown recently had Sam Howell, now the starting QB, of course, in the NFL for the Washington Commanders. They had him for three seasons as the Tar Heels starting QB. But the Heels' best finish in that stretch was 8-4 and four, back in 2020. Carolina actually came close to turning this trick last year with probable first-round NFL pick and maybe a very high one in Drake May at the controls. May did win the ACC Player of the Year honor, and the Heels did win nine games, but their late season slide to nine and five left them outside the national top 25 entirely, and that makes it hard to call 2022 a truly special season for the Tar Heels. We'll see if they can finally make this sort of Sonny Jurgensen, Jeff Blake, Phillip Rivers-style magic happen in Chapel Hill here in 2023. On the other side, we'll get to questions 6 through 10 in the 2023 State of North Carolina DG preseason football questions of the day. Okay, moving on. State of North Carolina football question number six. Will NC State, under 11th year coach Dave Doran, finally break through for just the second season of 10 or more wins in program history? Doran has done a lot of good things, at times even very good things, through his first 10 seasons in Raleigh. He's won nine games three times. He's finished in the national top 25 twice. He's earned eight bowl bids in the last nine years. He has sent a bunch of players, including some very high draft picks, to the NFL. He has signed elite prospects on the recruiting trail. He has a winning record head-to-head against the hated Tar Heels. That is a lot of good and even some very good. However, Wolfpack fans are still waiting for the great, and there's at least an opportunity for that to happen this season. Virginia transfer Brennan Armstrong, a physically and mentally tough left-handed quarterback, has been reunited in Raleigh with offensive coordinator Robert and I, who did bring out the best in Armstrong during their time in Charlottesville together. The Wolfpack also has a strong, experienced group of veterans on the offensive and defensive lines, plus Peyton Peyton Wilson at linebacker, Aiden White at cornerback, among many others. The Pack also has all of its theoretically toughest games at home this season. Notre Dame on September 9th, Louisville on September 29th, a Friday night TV game, Clemson on October 28th, as we mentioned earlier, Miami on November 4th, Carolina on November 25th. The Pack's road trips won't all be easy, but they're much more manageable than that lineup I just listed at Carter-Finley. Usually when all of your toughest games are at home, you have a chance to do something special. 
We'll see if Dave Doran can get over that hump here in 2023. State of North Carolina, football question number seven. Can Duke and Wake Forest keep beating the odds? This qualifies as breaking news only in the eyes of people who have never thought about it from this particular angle. But most small private universities like Duke and Wake are not consistently good in football. Think of Vanderbilt in the SEC or Northwestern in the Big Ten, or sometimes for very long stretches, Boston College or Duke or Wake Forest, all current members of the ACC. Thanks to higher academic standards, various other complications we won't get into right now, it is just harder to win consistently on the gridiron at those schools. Now, so far, Duke coach Mike Elko and for a much longer period, Wake, Far uh, yeah, Wake Forest coach Dave Clawson have successfully battled these odds. Elko went nine and five last season, his first with the Blue Devils, and Clawson has taken the Demon Deacons to a school record seven consecutive bowl games. But think about the history that Elko and Clawson are fighting at their schools. Listen to these facts. At Duke, since Steve Spurrier left to take the Florida job after the 1989 season, the Blue Devils have had a winning record in conference play only four times in 33 years. Once under Fred Goldsmith, twice under David Cutcliffe, and then last season under Elko. Those facts should underline the difficulty of the Duke football job. At Wake, even Clawson, perhaps the Deacons' greatest coach during their seven decades as ACC members, has only one winning record in conference play over his first nine seasons in Winston-Salem. That fact should underline the ongoing difficulty of the Wake football job. There are a lot of different ways to measure success, but at Duke and Wake, it is not easy to beat the odds consistently. State of North Carolina, football question number eight. Can East Carolina, under a proven head coach in Mike Houston, become one of the dominant programs in the new look version of the American Athletic Conference. Even though ECU lost a ton of talent off its eight and five bowl team of a year ago, including quarterback Holton Aylers, who's now a backup for the NFL Seattle Seahawks. In my opinion, there are at least two big reasons to be intrigued by the Pirates this season, but also beyond. Number one, Mike Houston is a really, really good coach. If you look at his 12-year track record as a college head coach, you will see that from Lenore Ryan, which he took to the Division II National Championship game, to the Citadel, a hard place to win, but he led them to an extremely rare top 15 FCS finish, to James Madison, which he led to the FCS national title, to ECU now, which after inheriting a train wreck, he has taken to back-to-back -back bowl invitations. Mike Houston's programs never take a significant step backward. They either stay very close to their previous level or more often they improve from year to year, including their victory totals, which is among the ultimate compliments for any coach. Given how much talent the Pirates lost from last season, improvement will not be easy this time, but it is something worth watching. The number two reason for this the American Athletic Conference, remember, just lost three of its most dominant programs to the Big 12, which to me opens the door for the Pirates at some point to make a run at their first conference championship since Skip Holtz led them to back-to-back -back Conference USA titles in 2008 and 2009. There have been only eight AAC football championship games, and five of those eight were won by programs that are no longer in the league. Two for Cincinnati, two for Central Florida, one for Houston. They're all competing in the Big 12 now. 
Tulane, SMU, Memphis, and maybe others supposedly are the favorites in the AAC this season. But when you look at the new version of the AAC from top to bottom, you see at least an opportunity, again, at some point, if not this year, for the Pirates to rank among the top programs in that league on a consistent basis. State of North Carolina, football question number nine. Will Appalachian State, under coach Sean Clark, an App State alum, return to the top of the Sunbelt Conference? It has now been about a decade since the Mountaineers left behind the FCS ranks, where they won three national championships under legendary coach Jerry Moore from 2005 through 2007 for the FBS ranks, where they quickly have become one of the best programs in the Sunbelt Conference. Since the Sunbelt's adoption of a championship game format in 2018, the Mountaineers have played in three of those five conference championship games, winning two of them. However, those conference titles and other postseason success came under Scott Satterfield, now the head coach at Cincinnati in the Big 12, and Eli Drinkwitz, now the head coach at Missouri in the SEC. After 9-3 and three and 10-4 and four seasons under Sean Clark, the former Mountaineers offensive lineman and for a while assistant coach, the Mountaineers fell all the way to 6-6 six and six last season, which was just the second non-winning final record for App in the last 30 years. That 6-6 six and six team did beat number 6 Texas A&M in College Station, remember, and they came darn close to beating Carolina, too. So it will be very interesting to see which version of the Mountaineers we see here in 2023 under Coach Clark. State of North Carolina football question number 10, our final question of the day. Which of our state's seven FCS programs will be special in 2023? Pretty much every year someone does it, and it's just a matter of which one or in some seasons which two or three rise to the occasion. Last season, under Coach Trey Oliver, a friend of the program, NC Central won the HBCU National Championship. The mighty Eagles arch rival, North Carolina A&T, won the HBCU national title in 2015, 2017, 2018, and 2019. Now, those two are no longer in the same conference, with the Eagles still in the MEAC and the Aggies now competing in the newly renamed Coastal Athletic Association, alongside their fellow in-state programs, Elon and Campbell. By the way, it's still the CAA. They've just dropped the colonial reference. Speaking of the Camels, Former Nebraska and Carolina Panthers star safety Mike Minter has done an amazing job over the last decade of taking that program from the non-scholarship level and now into the CAA. Speaking of Elon, in 2022, the Phoenix made just their fourth ever trip to the FCS playoffs, this time under head coach Tony Trishiani, another friend of the program. Meanwhile, Gardner-Webb under head coach Trey Lamb is the defending champion in the Big South Conference. At Western Carolina, former Florida Gators and NFL quarterback Kerwin Bell, remember him, is entering his third season as the Catamounts head coach. He led Valdosta State to the Division II National Championship back in 2018. Davidson, which plays in the Pioneer Football League, is seeking its fourth consecutive trip to the FCS playoffs. Speaking of college football, a quick note about our brand new Old North State tailgate and Traveling Sports Circus, which launched last Saturday at Wake Med Soccer Park in Cary with the Wake, Wake County 2023 U.S. Army Be All You Can Be clash involving four nearby high school football teams. We had a live on-site YouTube show with Chris Edwards, Coach Jimmy Collins, 
former Wolfpack player J.R. Quitman on the controls again for me today and myself. And this Saturday, I'm really excited about this because you all know how much I love the beach. We'll be at Jimmy's Bar in Wrightsville Beach from 5 to 6 p.m. this Saturday for our college football season preview show. I can't speak for anybody else, but I personally will be hanging around at Jimmy's and eating dinner at King Neptune next door after we're finished with this week's live show. No drinking before the show, perhaps plenty of drinking after the show and great food. In September, you can also see us at many of the state's biggest college football games, of course, including South Carolina versus North Carolina at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte on September 2nd, then Clemson's visit two days later to Duke on Labor Day night, then NC Central's visit to North Carolina A&T in that Aggie Eagle Classic or Eagle Aggie Classic, as some call it. That's September 9th. And then East Carolina has that trip up the mountain to visit App State on Saturday, September 16th. We'll be there with our tailgate tour as well. For more details on those tour stops and the rest of our 2023 schedule, which truly is taking us from the beach to the mountains and most other places you'd like to visit in between, please follow us on Twitter. There we are, ONS Tailgate, at ONS Tailgate. That, of course, stands for Old North State Tailgate. You can also visit the website, ncsportsnetwork.com. We post those details there as well. One last thing, our weekly reminder, please subscribe to our official YouTube channel, Instagram, and Twitter accounts, now called X, I guess, at the North Carolina Sports Network. Remember our social media handle at the NC Sportsnet at T H E N C Sportsnet on Twitter and other uh, Twitter slash X, but also YouTube and otherwise. When you subscribe to our YouTube channel specifically, remember it's free and it's as easy as clicking the subscribe button next to the video box where you box where you see me. You're automatically eligible for a lot of really big prizes. Now we give away smaller prizes all the time: DG Show T-shirts. I do cameo style phone calls to either you or maybe a loved one who's in the hospital or maybe a little kid who met me at one point or maybe your mom or dad who met me at some point over these last 35 years. Maybe you yourself. It's all free again. Cameo charges. I don't charge for that stuff. If you're a subscriber, you can also win free tickets to upcoming college and pro sporting events. You can win concert tickets as our earlier winners went to a concert with Maria and me. Free rounds of golf with or without me. Free dinners with or without me at some of North Carolina's best restaurants, including King Neptune right there in Wrightsville Beach. We randomly draw new winners at the biggest thresholds. 750, we're almost there. 1,000, we're almost there. Please help us get to those thresholds. They are around the corner, so please subscribe today if you haven't done so already. And remember, whether you were subscriber number one or you're going to be subscriber number 999, you do remain eligible for all of the things that I just listed. So again, visit our YouTube channel at VNC Sportsnet or just Google North Carolina Sports Network on Twitter and you will see that channel. We really need you uh, to subscribe. That'll do it for today's edition of the program. The David Glenn Show is an exclusive production of the North Carolina Sports Network. Executive producer, Mike Waddell. Technical director, J.R. Quitman. The founding partner of NCSN is the North Carolina Sports Council. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for spending some time with us today on the David Glenn Show and the North Carolina Sports Network. We look forward to seeing you again, maybe even at Jimmy's or King Neptune in Wrightsville Beach or the original Saltworks in Wilmington this weekend. I will be 
at all three places at various times over a 48-hour period. Either way, we look forward to seeing you, maybe on our tailgate tour at other stops, and Governor Roy Cooper, and Panthers legend Julius Peppers, and UNC legend Roy Williams, and so many of our other upcoming great guests in these weeks to come, right here on the North Carolina Sports Network. Thanks again for being with us, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.